A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. season, Arsenal ladies created history never to be surpassed in the women's game. They won the Women's Premier League, the FA Cup, the Women's Premier League Cup and the UEFA Cup, now recognised as the Champions League. Arsenal remain the only British club to have won the European Cup. The girls defeated Swedish side Umeå 1-0 in a tense two-legged final, Alex Scott scoring the only goal from range in the final minute of the first leg in Sweden. Arsenal's overall record for the season saw them play 44 games, win 42 and draw twice across all competitions. They even bagged the Women's Community Shield and the London County Women's FA Cup too. Having won the league in five of the previous six seasons prior to 2006-07, Arsenal went into the campaign as heavy favourites for another league title. They had also won the FA Cup in 1999, 2001, 2004 and 2006. With a team featuring the likes of Emma Byrne in goal, Jane Ludlow, the club's record goalscorer in midfield, Kelly Smith and Julie Fleeting up front, as well as up-and-coming talent like Alex Scott, Anita Asante, Karen Carney, Leanne Sanderson and Katie Chapman, Vic Akers sided a perfect blend of youth, experience and quality throughout the squad. But, as the old Queen song would have it, it was no better roses. Captain and centre-half Faye White, by now halfway through her 10-year stint as England captain, tore her anterior cruciate ligament in the summer of 2006, ruling her out for most of the season. White is no stranger to pain. She played in the Euro 2009 final with a fractured cheekbone. She broke her nose four times as a player and ruptured the cruciate ligament in both of her knees. At this point, aged 28 and captain of her country and England's dominant club side, the 2006-07 season ought to have been Faye's crowning achievement, but it turned into a season of mixed emotions. Hey, thanks so much for joining us um, on this episode um, of the Arsenal Women Arsecast, uh, which we're now doing once a month. 
um, talking about the 2006-2007 season, of course, when the team um, achieved something truly special with the quadruple and particularly winning the UEFA Cup. Um, looking at the squad that season, um, it just seemed to hit one of those rare moments you get in really good football teams when you've got this really good blend of players who are at their peak, experienced players, good young players coming through, which is a really delicate balance to strike. Um, I'm sure you were expecting to win the league at the outset of the season and maybe one of the domestic cups, but did you sense before that season started that you could do something truly special? Um, well, I think, yeah, ultimately, because like you said, we had a really good team. I think at that time um, we had all the captains of uh, the Great Britain t- team, so England, Wales, Scotland and, and Ireland, I think it was, and also quite a few England internationals, about nine or so, if I believe it was around at that time. And, yeah, I think it was just, I, I mean, in, in, certainly in Europe, we've always been to the semi-finals, kind of that kind of level before. Um, so in Europe, we obviously knew that we were able to compete with the best teams, but it was just that one step forward. But like you say, most of the seasons, arguably, you'd argue it was maybe us, maybe I think Everton or Chelsea at the time that were up there would possibly win in the league. You know, we had a couple of opposition, not quite as much as like nowadays where it's, there's, you know, more teams that are, have the ability to win the league. But, um, yeah, I think we uh, we always knew that we could do well if uh, we performed on in cup competitions as well. But that obviously the champ- uh, sorry, um, Champions League game or UEFA Cup as it was called then those um, get to the final was pretty special. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned kind of all the captains of, of the great British teams as well, because I kind of think in retrospect, you know, you and Kelly played for England, um, you know, and, and had quite high, high profile, as well as, you know, Rachel Yankee as well, Katie Chapman, Alex Scott. Um, but I think some figures who are who kind of um, perhaps under-remembered from that squad, I think of like Jane Ludlow, who was a midfielder and who is still our record goal scorer, um, and Julie Fleeting up front as well. Um, how, how influential particularly was, was Jane Ludlow in midfield? Yeah, she's hugely, because, um, you know, such a quality player, was our real midfield dynamo, if you kind of likening it to today's team um, certainly for Arsenal it would be like Jordan that kind of mm. ability to get up and down the pitch and cover so much ground she for a midfielder scored an amazing amount of goals um, she's a real character in the team um, obviously captain um, kind of a lot of that season as well because I was out injured for a lot of it um, with an ACL and stuff so uh, we also yeah, like I said Julie Feetin who captain of Scotland at the time and an unbelievable goal scorer um, put her in front of goals and 10 out of 10 you'd expect her to score you know so um, she could score types of goals um, played at the highest level um, and we were, I remember when we signed her thinking how's this going to work she was kind of flying down for games and not around training as much but to have someone like that in your squad and in your team um, I know certainly I was like loving it and and um, she was a massive addition um, there's always and there was another captain was Kira Grant um, mm. of Ireland with Emma Byrne number one for Ireland and, and for Arsenal obviously in goal um, so yeah those were the, maybe the players that weren't quite as high profile purely because their national teams weren't getting to the level that, that England were at that time so and we were only just starting to compete with the best teams in the world around then um, as well so um, yeah some of those players it 
maybe didn't get the limelight as much, but um, certainly were integral to the team and the success for that season and, and many more as well. When, when I spoke to Kelly, um, you know, we kind of spoke about her feeling really good again. She'd had like a, a bit of a low period personally at the end of her time in the States. This is one of the few seasons where she didn't really get injured. Um, and I wanted to ask you a, a similar question, actually, because you were 28, kind of close to your peak years. You'd been at Arsenal for about 10 years at that point. You'd been England captain for a few years. But um, as you said, you you suffered with injuries um, during that season. Does that um, affect your memory of this season at all? Um, yeah, I think so, a little bit. Because um, when you're playing every game, you know, you feel like you're contributing to the team more. Um, but I think at that season, I remember coming back towards the end of it and was out with an ACL for a lot of it, actually. So then as a captain, you're pretty much, what can I do from, um, you know, from the sideline and help? Um, but equally, you do feel quite distracted attracted from the team and separate because a lot of the time you're doing your own training and, and everything but uh, I was fortunate to still travel away like away games that's how much I still wanted to be around the team and, and certainly the UEFA trip I was just getting back into the squad around the semis and final and um, and was on the bench I remember that's the final actually in the um, Champions League the final le- the leg away leg out in Sweden and um, and then obviously the home leg as well, back at home at Boronwood when we managed to hold on to the nil-nil after getting the one-nil away win. So, but yeah, I think it kind of tarnishes my memory of that a little bit because it was such a big battle that I was getting back from, I suppose. But equally, when you've played for a club for as long as I had for Arsenal um, and won so many trophies, it was it's just obviously great to see it continue and you just want to be part of that. And the fact that... Um, we were getting so close to getting the quadruple and getting to that final. It was just that we needed a big effort from everyone just to kind of beat. No one expected us to beat Umea at that time. They had Marta and every, you know, every quite a few of the big players in the in the world then. So uh, the, the Swedish league was one of the ones to look at, like our our league is now. But um, yeah, it's uh, it kind of has different feelings because you would rather be playing and contributing to all the games, but. Equally, like I said, you for an English team to win that and no one else has since is such a massive achievement and uh, yeah, one to be proud of certainly for women's football in England at that time. And I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Vic Akers as well. You and I had a little bit of a chat about Vic Akers um, last summer when he retired and you, and you kind of said that, well, one of the ways he brought the best out of you was essentially by being a bit, shall we say, economical with his praise um, of, of you was he like that with all of the team or did did he kind of adapt to the different characters in the team and would he perhaps be more effusive with one person but he just thought that was the way with you or was that his way with everybody um, well I think it was very much his character and his way um, that's not to say he didn't praise people certainly in the main group he wouldn't show it as much you know like individual praise it's more about the team but I think if you went if you did speak with him one-on-one or had that time when you were around the training ground when no one else was or whatever he might tell you you know well done but they were they were fleeting moments I'm, I'm sure for many others but equally you knew Vic did it in other ways like going out of his way to try and make you know get you boots or trying to make things happen around the back back room of the way the club run to allow opportunities for other players and like like with Judy Fleet in that 
you know, just anyone else envisaging being able to get her to come down and fly and the, the commitment of going and picking her up and arranging all that. And, you know, we were driving, I remember going picking her up one day because Vic couldn't. And, you know, we just had to be a group and a team of going about ways of just trying to make it work for each individual. Because, like, a lot of that time we were all balancing different things. Like, some of the girls were studying, some were trying to work, some were having to fly down some were having to get picked up at different place, you know places so he went out of his way to make it as easy as possible for most of the players in whatever way it was that for their current situation to be able to perform at their best so often that you didn't always need that well done and that pat on the back for him because you knew he was doing that by what he mm. was doing just to allow you to get out there and play for a lot of it so um there's just not many things that Vic wouldn't do to allow the team and individuals to succeed so um, you know, far beyond what a, uh, a manager probably would do now. So, yeah, I think uh, he was very set in his way in how he um, kind of spoke to players and what have you. But equally, when he joined in with training, sometimes you, the banter and the fun and that kind of side of him comes out, which then motivates you in different ways and kind of just makes us feel like a team and, and things like that. So, yeah, he had his, he was unique, certainly. Um, but his success is un- undoubtable, you know, with what he achieved in the game. And uh, amazingly, Arsenal's domestic feats weren't really the story of the season. As you said, the UEFA Cup win against Umeå was the uh, the crowning achievement. And you referenced the fact that you were just coming back from injury and were only really fit enough for the bench for both games. But then, of course, there's the kind of bombshell that Kelly Smith is suspended for both legs. Um, as well, so without top scorer and club captain, um, those those are two really really big misses. Um, I, I asked Kelly whether her absence perhaps helped to crystallise the game plan a bit for Arsenal because it was completely not in Arsenal's nature at the time or something they weren't used to to play, you know, fairly organised defensively to play like an underdog. Do you think the fact that we were missing both yourself and Kelly maybe helped tip the squad, uh, tip the team and the manager into that mindset for the game? Yeah, definitely. I think that's often with a a, a team when, I mean, the media and people outside the group make, I think, more fuss about the captain and the goal scorer than what Mm. the team do themselves because they know the worth of each player kind of thing. Mm. Um, And so I do think when, like, they're it can help galvanise the group that are left to say, look, you know, it's not just about one or two players because we know it's not. So we've just got to go and prove it and show it to everyone. And if anything, that might have helped, certainly with Kelly as well, because she was playing for a lot of that season. Mm. And then, and I think also it helps the, the fact that the opposition sometimes will go, well, their best player's not playing. This should be a lot easier or whatever. Or we're expected, you know. And sometimes that just, just the mind games can affect teams differently. Um, like you say, you often well, like in men's football in the FA Cup, you often see the the one in the in the you know the lower leagues having a blinder on a day because of the motivation. It's so mm. different, and and they galvanise and work so much harder to upset the the opposition. And it was similar, really, because at that time everyone, because had won it a number of times before, and and what have you. But just getting that away got that away goal. And then bringing them to home score. I remember watching it and seeing them hit the bar, hit the post, and stuff mm. like that, and scrambles around the goal. And and you do need a bit of fortune in winning any um, kind of tournament or cup competition. And uh, I think certainly 
it was, a, like you said, about being underdogs. I think the mm. team enjoyed that tag for a little while, you know, rather than always been having that expectation and burden of, you you know, you should go out and win all these games, you know. Um, because that's, that's the one thing I always look back and I think everyone always said, oh, Arsenal, you know you're going to win the league. But in each, each season we always had, you know, I think it was Chelsea towards the end of my career, but even before that, Everton... And we're always up there challenging us. I know it sounds weird now because Everton obviously aren't as strong as they were, but they had good team players like Jill Scott and Farrer and um, Rachel Unit and people like that mm. playing. They had quite a few internationals at that time. So there was always a battle. And um, I remember one year, I can't remember if it was this year. I think it was, no, I think it was either the year before or a little bit later that Everton um, should have won the league one year and they didn't. Mm. It, they, they mucked it up and we were, you know, just chasing them. Um, so it, it kind of shows that it wasn't always just, you know, expected that we win every season. But yeah, I suppose the majority of people in women's football thought we would. Um, but yeah, having not having that tag for a little while, um, and certainly in this competition, I think did galvanise those players. Um, and, you know, the players like, you know, um, Kira and Emma and Julie, they were still wanting to show every you know, because they, they didn't, like I said, always get the profile they deserved because they were yeah. brilliant players because they were probably the better players in a, in their national teams that were still developing. Um, so for them, this was like playing in a World Cup, you know, some of them didn't get that opportunity. Um, so, yeah, they, we, they certainly relished it and it was certainly a special year. And uh, you, I mean, you won a, a lot of trophies before that, a lot of trophies after that. Do you think that European Cup win in 2007 was the pinnacle of your career? It's, it was. It's probably hard to say because probably it is pretty strange to hear someone say no because <laughs> um, like I said for a lot of that season I was injured so yeah. I think sometimes you do think oh actually I didn't com- contribute like I would have wanted to um, obviously which is the first and foremost of any player they want to be on the pitch and playing every game and, and what have you but equally when you're kind of captain you realise that you can't completely underestimate it because there are some players that have been in and around our bench and if you say it like that, you, they will feel like they've never contributed to a, a winning yeah, the yeah. league title because it's not, It's you need the whole squad and at times they come in and make a, a big impact and stuff like that. So, um, But I think it's a pinnacle for us as a club mm. and, um, and what it did for kind of getting women's football in England kind of out there in Europe as one of the best. Um, and then, you know, each year trying to emulate that and getting close and what have you. But kind of take, shifts the focus onto the English league and the English players. And, you know, if Kelly, well, I'm going back to Kelly now, but if she was, um, if England were better in her decade, she would have been one player of the, the world player yeah. of the year, I'm sure, a number of times. Um, it's just about timing, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. And, um, you know, she's up there. I think she, you know, was in the top three at one point. But if England were where they are now, she would have been without question player of the world, player of the you know year, and world player of the year a number of times. So, uh, but yeah, I think um, it was certainly the pinnacle for that. But personally, um, maybe not so just because of my situation in that season. Yeah. But I, and then, but then I say that because I'm fortunate to have won quite a few trebles and things yeah. like that in before and after. But I kind of then look at my pinnacle has been in the England team and get to the Euros in 2009 in the you know the final um, 
but that's just a personal thing for me. But having had overcome some a lot, a lot of the injuries in the past, it even be playing still and getting there. So, yeah, but, I, I should yeah. point out for any listeners who are unfamiliar to say like the pinnacle of your career is is a massive call because you know you captained England in tournaments and won more trophies than I can count really. So that's you know that's a massive call. Um, Faye, my, my, my last kind of question. I'm, I'm really aware, I, I feel a bit guilty about this interview, to be honest, because I'm aware that when an athlete retires, all anyone wants to talk about with them is the past. And that is kind of the point of this podcast. But um, for any of our listeners that don't know, you're still very much part of the furniture um, at Arsenal Women. Would you like to just describe um, your current role within, uh, within the organisation, I guess? Yeah, well, for since retiring, I've um, kind of been working full time initially with the team, with the club um, in the, kind of the marketing kind of role and promotion and just trying to get more bumps on seats in the women's game. Um, but I've recently, since having two children, I've dropped to part time, and uh, um, but it's still an area of which I feel is important because you know we've, we've seen the professionalism of the game increase and players getting paid more and things like that. But, more sponsorships now coming into the game um, as well but I think for a league to be sustainable and um, you know really one of the topics to get regularly get bigger crowds and stuff so that's what I have been doing over the last five years of looking to the future to maybe change route a little bit um, getting back into more the football side of it hopefully um, mm. which is literally probably like to happen in the next couple of months or so so a bit more on the watching players and kind of scouting route um Arsenal hopefully so um, back to now I've got a bit more time now my children are starting to get a bit older um, maybe looking at that a little bit so it's something that excites me a bit more and um, you know just still glad to be involved in the game really when you've played for so long for a club and you know you love the game as much as I did when I was playing um, yeah it's just good to still be part of it and and you know doing a lot of stuff with the FA as well in trying to get young girls um, through their game of their own programme as well so um, trying to get them to go back into their schools and get more girls playing and stuff so it's all about that really driving driving participation getting inspiring young girls to still keep playing but also to get more mums dads and families and and people watching women's football at league level as well as i suppose england really that's the ultimate um thing and and challenge i think for the next few years Excellent stuff. And, and you know, someone who's been going to Arsenal ladies slash women for kind of over 20 years or so, it's um, it's great to see the likes of yourself and Claire Wheatley and, and, you know, Kelly sometimes, you know, still very much involved with the club and still very much there on a match day. Um, Faye, I've taken far too much time of your time already. Um, thank you so much for joining us and, and for your insights. And uh, I'll see you again soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for his continued support. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Arsenal won the Women's Premier League Cup final in March by beating Leeds United 1-0 at Glamford Park thanks to an injury-time winner from Welsh midfielder and current Wales manager Jane Ludlow. Ludlow captained the side in the absence of Faye White on a bog of a pitch in driving rain in Scunthorpe. Arsenal dominated the game and were it not for especially poor conditions, probably would have decided the match sooner. Arsenal's record in the Premier League meant the title was a mere procession. But the same was not true of the Gunners UEFA Cup campaign, where Vic Akers' side were not regarded as the top dogs of Europe. Arsenal comfortably topped a group featuring Bromby of Denmark, Rossi Janka of Russia and Femina of Hungary, winning all three of their games with 12 goals scored and four conceded in total. Briablek of Iceland were comfortably beaten in the quarterfinals 9-1 on aggregate. But it was the semi-final stage against Bromby again, where things started to get tricky for Arsenal. Two Kelly Smith goals in Denmark were quickly ped back by Bromby equalisers, but the Gunners' chance of a maiden European success were hit by a controversial incident involving star player Kelly Smith. She's had a long, hard look at it. Here is Kelly Smith! Perfection! The Arsenal captain to break the deadlock with a stunning strike. And the holders of the Women's FA Cup are in front. Okay, welcome back to this Arsenal Women Arscast special. Looking back on the historic 2006-07 quadruple winning season, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by one of the players, uh, one of the main players really from that squad, Arsenal legend Kelly Smith. Kelly, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, thanks for having me on. Um, Kelly, I want to start um, just by touching briefly on the domestic element of this quadruple season, winning the domestic treble. Um, Given that going into the kind of 2006-07 season, Arsenal had won the previous three league titles, two of the three previous FA Cups, is it fair to say going into the season that the squad expected to win the domestic double at the very least? Um, yeah, I think you could be fair in saying that. Uh, we had a fantastic um, team in the, in the build-up to that season. Obviously, we had experienced players of winning the the league and the FA Cup's previous couple of seasons before that so we knew what it took to win trophies and the mentality that we had within the squad uh, was all about winning and um, you know putting Arsenal on the map uh, we were so strong in every position we had mostly international players and it was fun to be an Arsenal player at that time because we were dominating everything uh, the training was fantastic but the level of players that we had within 
the squad were all pushing each other um, in training and trying to push each other for places. So it's just a, a wicked team to be in uh, at the time. And uh, nevertheless, we won the domestic treble, um, won all 22 Premier League games, scoring 119 and conceding 10. Even taking away the UEFA Cup, which was the crowning kind of glory of that season, were the squad still surprised by what you achieved domestically? Um, yeah, we took each, uh, each competition as it comes, as you do in, in football, but... The more games that we played, um, the more confident and success that we had. We just had a, a real good bunch of girls that were really together um, and singing from the same hymn sheet. And we had a fantastic manager at Big that uh, you know really, really wanted to play for um, and go out there and represent Arsenal and, and try and win everything domestically. Obviously, we, at the time we had um, you know, somewhat the best players um, from Great Britain playing on, on the side. And it was our job to move Arsenal women's football forward um, during that era. Uh, you know, there was some teams that probably weren't as well equipped as us. So some games were quite easy. Um, we would go into them knowing that we'd probably win before we'd even stepped off the bus because Arsenal at that time had a fear factor about them. Teams didn't want to play us uh, against us because of the, the amount of quality we had throughout our squad. Um, but yeah, it was a fantastic era, um, you know, playing with Jane Dudlow, Faye White, Rachel Yankee, Karen Carney, Julie Fleeting, Kira Grant. These are just a few names that are rolling off the, the tip of my tongue. So uh, to be involved uh, at Arsenal at that time when they were at the peak and pinnacle um, of the women's game was just really intriguing and, and fascinating for, for everybody involved. And uh, kind of personally, that season, you, you scored 30 goals in 34 games. Um, and I think one of the things that really stands out, um, just again for you individually this season, is this is a season where you stayed fit, where you didn't really have injury problems. Um, you, you've written quite candidly in your autobiography about, um, you know, when you returned from the US and some of the personal struggles and spending some time at Port Sporting Chance. Um, how did you feel in yourself during that, that 2006-07 campaign personally? Um, yeah, I did have many, many struggles, but, and I didn't really want to play football. Having come back from the US again, I was so down and depressed and not in a good state that I spoke to the cases and he said to for me just to come along and train with the team and I was just so low, I was just like I don't want to do it, but he um, eventually talked me around and then I committed to signing and I was really um, you know, the, my love of the game come back, uh, free flowing uh, when I was training with amongst the quality of players that I was playing with and um, yeah, he was kind of the, the catalyst in, in bringing me back into the Arsenal fold and that season, um, the quality of players that I had enabled me to score so many goals because, you know, you had Karen Carney on the right to play fantastic crosses. You had Rachel Yankee on the left uh, doing her thing with the dribbling and then crossing the ball in, and Judy Fleeting and Leanne Sanderson, you know, such good quality players that you just love playing with because you knew at any point you'd get the ball in, in the right position to, to score a goal or to either set them up. So... It was just a real buzz to be around uh, those certain players uh, in that era. 
and um, kind of look, looking at the uh, the UEFA Cup, which has obviously been posthumously recognised as the Champions League. Um, the, the campaign for Arsenal, they won all three games in the group. Um, you then scored in both legs of the quarterfinal against an Icelandic team whose name I really can't pronounce and I'm not going to try. <laughs> yeah, Bre- Breablik. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll have some Icelandic listeners who will correct me on that. Then there's the semi-final um, against Bronby Kelly. Um, and you had you had a very eventful career for a number of reasons. Um, in that first leg, you of course score twice um, and then get sent off. It, was that Bronby game possibly the most eventful game of your career? Why did you have to bring that up, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I look back on it even to this day when when it brought up and um, I scored two goals in in the first leg. Uh, and we was in quite a comfortable position. And then obviously the second leg, um, you know, it was it was it was a tough game for us. But yeah, I, I there's regrets that happened in that game for me personally because it meant that I missed the, the, the return leg and then the two legged final due to the sending off and my actions after that. Uh, so, you know, for for me personally, um, I was disappointed with myself. David Jean actually wrote a letter the the, of Arsenal wrote a letter to the um, UEFA at the time and apologised on my behalf because I acted up a little bit after I was sent off because I was so irate um, but it didn't actually have any effect because I got a three game ban uh, at, this, at the Umie final two legged affair but for me I felt like um, I did play a major part in the success of us helping us get to that final I just never got the opportunity obviously to kit up in the changing room and and, and lead, you know, the team out and play in those that two-legged final. And you, so I mean, obviously you're you're sent off for two yellow cards, and you know instantly at that point you're going to get a one-match ban and miss the semi-final second leg. When did it become clear that the ban was going to be for three games and that you were going to miss the final as well? Uh, it's probably about a week after. Um... The, the letter come through and Vic Acres sat me down and just told me the bad news and I was distraught. I was like, something so silly and so, I guess, immature of me to do um, at that time was, you know, I was sent off. I stick my finger up to the crowd as, as they were booing me and that was recorded by the fourth official. I kicked the chair. Um, I'm laughing about it now, but it wasn't funny at the time. And, and that led to the, the fourth official writing that in the report and then, uh, my punishment being extended by, like you said, an extra two games, and that was the final um, two-legged affair. So, deep regrets on on my part for not be, for me not being a part of you know Arsenal and, and the history, the only British team to win it, and I didn't play in the final. But like I said before, I felt like I made a, a big contribution in the build-up mm-hmm. and helping us get there. And even watching from, from the sidelines out in Sweden uh, when Alex Scott scored um, that, I don't know, 25, 30-yard screamer outside the box, I was probably one of the only or few English people in the stands screaming at that time. And I was just so emotional because I knew what a vital awake of that would be for us bringing the home leg um, back to Boyle Wood. And, um, you know, kind of... Um not going to dwell on this too much, but uh, fo- focusing on on the reaction to the red card, I think it's fair to say in your career, Kelly, you were physically targeted quite a lot, and you've got the surgery scars to prove it. Um, and and those of us that watched you also kind of saw that um, 
you know, you could, uh, I wouldn't say retaliate, but you could look after yourself as well. Was that, was that a conscious decision at some point in your career or um, because you were kind of fed up of the rough treatment or has that all, has that, was that kind of side of your game always there? No, it wasn't always there. It was the fact that I kept, like you said, Tim, being being targeted. Um, and it wasn't just, you know, the same player that would be fouling it. It'd be two or three. So they were quite clever at their tactics. So if one got a yellow card, um, they would back off a little bit. And it was, it was a lot of late challenges from behind um, all the time. And, you know, dirty challenges that I felt I faced. But I don't know, I get that's part of the game. And... Um, mm. Uh, at times, you know, I did retaliate because I felt like I wasn't getting the protection, proper protection from the referee uh, back in in that day when the referee in standard probably wasn't where it should have been. Mm. Uh, so the referee just let the play go on. So it, my anger just built up, built up, built up, and I just saw red on a number of occasions because I wasn't being protected and I was scared that I was obviously going to get injured. So I kind of took the, the law into my own hands of a number of occasions and uh, that's why I reacted because I was so angry at the tackles the referee wasn't you know looking out for me uh, so to speak and I'm um, kind of going into this final I, I, I don't think it's controversial to say that Umea at that time were probably a better team than Arsenal um, I mean, you, you referenced your uh, undisputed role in helping Arsenal get that far. Um, you were the third top scorer in the competition that year uh, behind Marta and Hannah Lundberg um, with Umea. They were a seriously good team and Arsenal were underdogs um, going into that and especially missing uh, you through suspension. But do you ever look back and think, perhaps reluctantly, um, that your absence helped to crystallise Vic's game plan a bit because Arsenal played very defensively, played on the break, which was not really the way that Arsenal played. Do you think the fact that you weren't there made his mind up even more um, to go that way or, or do you think that would have happened anyway? Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, the Uriate were a stacked team at that time, like you said, with Marta and Lundberg, two of the best um, high-level strikers in the game at that time and um, it was always going to be a difficult task because we were massive underdogs and nobody expected us to go to to Sweden and, and get any kind of results and when we did um, we knew that we always, always had a chance at Wormwood because we actually had the opportunity to play um, the game at the Emirates um, sorry was it Hybrid or the Emirates at the time the Emirates yeah and, uh, yeah the Emirates and we chose as a team not to play at the Emirates because we were so confident with our home form at Wormwood with it being quite an intimate Stadium, and it would be, you know, a couple of thousand there, and quite an int- intimidating place for Umi to come in. That we actually turned down a big stadium, even though the, the grass was probably a lot crisper, and but it, we felt like we would have been open, open ourselves up for Umi. So we wanted to keep it tight and intimate, and we knew the the ground and the surroundings and the changing rooms. It was our home. It was our fortress. So it was always going to be um, a tough game for them to come there. And uh, yeah, I guess on one side of the coin me not playing um, did change the tactic slightly in terms of you know banking up making it difficult to beat and we knew uh, we still had firepower um, you know with Jane Dudlow being so so good from corner kicks and set pieces we knew we were always in with a shout and we figured if we could defend well as a unit as a team um, and keep um, Umiya out they'll get frustrated and they'll grow um, you know they'll get mad and, and, and frustrated within that game plan so uh, it's always on our minds to defend first and then maybe we can nick a goal and frustrate them even more 
And that um, second leg, I think everyone that was at that second leg, and I, I still remember it very well, um, <laughs> would describe the process of watching it as, as torture, really, at, at times. <laughs> how, how did it feel for you um, watching on from the sidelines, I, I guess as a fan as much as anything? <laughs> Yeah, it was absolutely horrific. I mean, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I had a dry mouth. I had sweaty palms. I couldn't sit still in my seat. Um, just because of the way the game was going, Umie were very good technically on the ball. And, um, you know, they had so many opportunities to, to score, but it just seemed as though there was something in the air, something that could taste and, and smell that was, something was happening with this Arsenal side that potentially it was our year and we could lift this this trophy that no one expected us to do and even when there was a shot I remember that hit I think it was the bar then it hit the post and then it come back and hit Emma Byrne on the head and went out for another corner you just thought this was going to be our day because the luck is certainly on our side and if we could keep just condensed and tight um, then you know it's going to frustrate them even more and it really really did and you could just tell by the crowd's feelings and something was brewing and I just remember watching and just as the final whistle went um, I had tears in my eyes because I was so proud of the team and the manager and all the coaching staff and you know I jumped over the barriers and went on and hugged all the players and just felt so emotional because I couldn't be a part of it but I was a nervous wreck the whole 90 plus minutes watching this this game and watching us finally you know lift this massive trophy that the club had deserved like in my opinion um, especially throughout the tournament and uh, you know the, there's the big kind of emotional explosion when that happens and, and you've won you know you've won this kind of historic trophy but the quadruple wasn't done at that point and a week later Arsenal played in the FA Cup final um, against Charlton and um, in this game, you are able to play, score twice. And uh, I think the footage uh, kind of still out there of, of you scoring a free kick to equalise after Charlton have, have taken the lead. And um, even by your standards, the celebration was was emphatic, um, shall we say. Did um, kind of going into that game for you, did missing the Umea game make that, uh, give you kind of that extra motivation? Yeah, I think so, because missing out on such a massive game in the history of the football club is, is always going to hurt. So when you've got another final so close in succession, the meaning that you could potentially do something special um, winning the fourth tro trophy that's up for grabs, um, yeah, it was a big highlight for me, and especially after going 1-0 down against Charlton. And there was a lot of talk, that, you know, that we were big rivals, Arsenal and Charlton in those days. The teams hated each other. Um, so... You know, there was a lot of talk before the game how we thought we were going to win the game beforehand because of the success that we had European-wise and we were too big for our boots and uh, Charlton were going to do us. So that was obviously in the back of our minds too. So, yeah, when I scored that free kick up and over uh, the wall, it was just delightful to get on the score sheet and uh, get us back in the game. And um, to, to kind of wrap up with the final question... Um, you know, you obviously had an incredible career. Was um, the 2006-07 season the pinnacle of your career? And, and now you've retired, does it ever, you know, occasionally in an average day cross your mind um, what you all achieved in that season? Well, only when I do stuff like this, and we, we talk about it, and it's the 10-year um, anniversary, and you just look back and you, um, yeah, you reminisce, you see pictures, you see former teammates that you haven't seen in years um, at different events. 
And um, yeah, it comes up again because it was such a momentous time for everybody involved. And, um, you know, Chelsea are, are getting close. Um, obviously, the format has changed now from the UEFA Cup to the Champions League. But, um, yeah, we're still obviously the only, the British side to do that. And I think every one of us of that squad is so proud to hold that record still. We don't <laughs> we don't really want a, another British team joining us, unless obviously it's Arsenal again. <laughs> and hopefully they'll win, win the league or come second and get back into Champions League football. But, um, yeah, I think all of us are really, really proud to say, you know, hold on to that winner's medal, uh, be the only current British side to, to lift that trophy. Yeah, I, I look forward to Arsenal doing it again next season. Um, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. The victory in the final against Umea was undoubtedly the crowning achievement of the season. Umea, featuring a strike force comprised of a young Marta and Hannah Lundberg, were hot favourites for the game. Arsenal would have been in underdogs even had their captain and top goalscorer been available to them. Playing such a disciplined and organised game against a superior opponent was alien territory for a team used to dominating teams and running up cricket scores domestically. Alex Scott's long-range effort in the dying moments of the first leg gave Arsenal a lead to defend at Boreham Wood, and they defended it with their lives, confirming a unique achievement. A week later, Kelly Smith scored twice in the FA Cup final as the Gunners defeated Charlton Athletic 4-1, confirming the quadruple, earned without a single defeat in any competition. Arsenal remained the only club from the UK to have won Europe's top prize. The following season, they were knocked out of the competition at the quarter-final stage by Lyon, who were on their way to announcing themselves as the new power in women's football. It's a triumph that could only have happened when it did, when the Arsenal squad was perfectly balanced and the current power structures in European football had not yet constructed their empires. They also had a little luck in the final against Umea, but having lost White and Smith for the final, their luck was more than due. In 2006-07, Arsenal ladies made history that cannot be surpassed in women's football in the UK. Played 44, won 42, lost exactly none. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 